I've got one TV with a surround sound setup and one TV in my basement that needed a sound upgrade, desperately. Enter the Sonos Arc. It's a new premium soundbar. Before the Arc, I had issues with sound in my barren basement. The TV is in this little concrete cove and I couldn't make out some dialogue and everything was just a little muffled. It was irritating. But the Arc has a true play tuning software that takes into account the unique acoustics of the given room. And you can turn on speech enhancement to clarify people articulating their desire to find a partner in love on the spectrum. God, I love that show. And I love it even more now. When the TV is off, you can stream music, podcasts, audiobooks, or radio. I'm too lazy to be looking for new music, so I have really loved Sonos Radio. Some of my favorite stations are Rare Grooves, Hip Hop Archive, or just Mainstream. Go to Sonos.com to learn more and get your Sonos Arc today. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Monday, September 28th. I'm Jay Skeetson, joining us live here as always, looking extra sweaty this morning. We got Tass Mellis. Hey, everybody. Hey, Tassie. We got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. hey yo. Hey, yo. The international man of mystery, taking it to the Max Lielis. Friend. Last, but not least, making the magic happen, JD. Hello. There he is. And here we are. Shout out to everyone joining us live right now on YouTube. Guys, keep your questions and your comments coming for our next Beach Steppin' podcast later this week. Email them in nodunksattheathletic.com or tweet them in at nodunksinc. And before we get into it, as promised, we got a few new goodies available to buy in the No Dunks store at nodunks.com. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome is officially now a t-shirt. So go cop that. And we also have these classic No Dunks pins if you want to throw one into your order as well. So go to nodunks.com. Oh, feels good having a turn up shirt, Trey. Oh, uh, feels great, you know. And shout out to the people making turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Uh, a No Dunks catchphrase, you know. For whatever reason this year, uh, people started sending in their little puns to it. And mm-hmm. it's taken off. So now it's a t-shirt. And you just got to appreciate the craftsmanship of a oh. pin like this. Are you kidding me? Look at this fine case it comes in. We're <laughs> talking about enamel here or epoxy. I'm not sure which is which, but they are somehow both involved making this pin. Yeah, it looks really nice. Trey, I mean, you are our fashion guy here. What would one do with this pin? Where would I wear it? I mean, I could obviously put it on a shirt, but am I putting it on a backpack, a jean jacket? Where's that bad boy going? Uh, for me, a pin deserves to be on a jean jacket. If you've got a jean jacket that doesn't have pins, you don't have a jean jacket at all. So get yourself some denim, get yourself some pins and live it up. Okay. And are people still putting pins on hats too? Is that a thing still? Uh, you're the only one wearing a hat, my man. You tell me. You tell me. (laughs) I got no no pins on this hat. I feel naked now. All right. So go to nodunks.com to grab your No Dunks merch. And again, we got more shirts, uh, down the line. They're coming up in the next couple of weeks or at least as soon as we can get them out so that'll be a lot of fun go grab one guys okay 
We, uh, we got some rumors a little bit later in the show, and we're not going to do our official NBA Finals preview and predictions until tomorrow's show. So you can join us live at 10 a.m. Eastern on YouTube, and we'll get that podcast up. We'll wait a day. We'll let it breathe for a second, because let's talk about the game. Let's talk about the Celtics a little bit. Bam Adebayo Lee leads Miami past Boston in Game 6. They're going to the NBA Finals. It will be Lakers heat. And this is cool, because it's two days after Bam basically blamed himself for the Game 5 loss. And he was, well, I don't even think it's arguable. He was the best player in this game by far. Maybe the best game of his career for Bam in helping the Heat go to the finals. 32 points, 14 boards, 5 assists, got to the line. Bam Bam coming through in the clutch there to take Miami to the finals. Well, that's it. He delivered when his team needed it the most because when the Celtics built up that six-point lead, I had deja vu there for the for game five where I thought... This is kind of playing into the Celtics' hands right now because they were creating turnovers, getting easy transition baskets, and Miami's offense sort of really stagnated there. They call the timeout. Now, after the timeout, Hero hits a three-pointer. I think Jimmy Butler gets a basket. And then, bam, just decides to eat Daniel Tice a couple of times down there, crushes a dunk on him, gets inside for the floater. And then he doesn't get into that rhythm where he's like, I have to score on every play. Instead, he just creates plays for his team. He finds Jimmy Butler for an incredible wide open layup under the basket. He hits Duncan Robinson for a three. Mm-hmm. And then he does basically that same thing again to seal the game there from, for the Miami Heat. He's grabbing rebounds. He's focus, his focus is on the offensive end and he's doing everything for his team. So to me, a fantastic all-around game. But really, it was that four or five minutes there in that fourth quarter that not only won the game, but it won the series for his team. And that really is, to me, what stood out about this. Uh, like, that's what a superstar does. That's what a champion does, is he finds that right that moment to to turn the game in his team's favor. And, and I thought that was incredible because, uh, you know, that big dunk on Daniel Tice, it was more than just a dunk. It was more a message. It was like, hey, man, this guy can't really stop me, and I have to go up, and I have to be aggressive. And he was, and it was just incredible how uh, how impactful he became in those few moments. And you saw on the defensive end as well, when the Celtics missed a couple of those shots, Bam was basically pushing his teammates out of the way. I'm going to get the ball. I need to grab the, grab the rebound here. And he would do that. And uh, I, I was just so impressed with what he did there to close out that game. Because as I say, when that when the Celtics were up six, I was like, I think we're going to game seven right now. I just <laughs> felt it. And then uh, and then the Heat call a timeout. Uh, Eric Spolstra didn't panic. Tyler Hero, again, is just so composed and so, uh, so clutch there for his team. But ultimately, it was Bam who got them over the line, and I just thought it was a, a very impressive performance. Oh, my God, yeah. The Heat went on a 26-6 to fourth-quarter run there, Tass, and just blew the game open. And it was Bam leading the way, but contributions across the board. Lee named a lot of them there. Tyler Hero, yeah, huge shots. Duncan Robinson. Iguodala, you know, turning into old Iggy He's there. back. Yeah, hitting three after three after three, just contributions. You know, Jimmy did his thing as well. Drogic was the one actually, you know, wasn't even playing uh, for a good chunk of that fourth quarter. Uh, Spolster said, no, let's uh, bam, we're running everything through Bam, so let's just put all the shooters out there around him, and it worked out. What do you think? Well, it just shows that this is the best bubble team remaining in, in the NBA playoffs here. It's the best bubble team going up against the team with the best star power in the NBA finals because Goran Dragic didn't play the last nine minutes of this game Six games in this conference final, he led the team in scoring three times, but mm. they don't need him down the stretch. Uh, Tyler Hero led the team in scoring in one of these games. Uh, Bam Adebayo now led the team in scoring twice. Jimmy Butler, obviously, you can go to him. I think there's four guys that can close a game, so you don't know where it's coming from. Mm. You saw it throughout this entire series, and it wasn't just Bam saying, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go hang out on the post. He was 
the creator. It's not just one of those centers that, oh, this guy can bring the ball up like when Tim Duncan brought the ball up or even when Nikola Jokic brings the ball up. Bam Adebayo was allowed to just go into the paint. It was just him as a real point guard. And I don't know if Eric Spolstra was just waiting for this or it's more likely that this was game six and he just saw that he was hot. And just like when Dragic was hot, they went to him. And, and so you've had three different leading scorers in this series uh, for the Miami Heat, and that doesn't even include Jimmy Butler. So it just shows how versatile they are. And then, uh, you know, they can go to anybody uh, if, if, if that person is hot. Like Duncan Robinson is now a three-point shooter and also a two-point shooter after just shooting threes all year. Andre Godala chipped in. It just shows how skilled uh, they are, and, and Eric Spolstra will trust all of these guys, mm-hmm. uh, no matter who they are, to do absolutely everything. Um, and I miss 90s ball when we had Chris Dudley not be able to bring the ball up, but watching Bam Adebayo, <laughs> my God, that was, uh, that was really incredible. He was setting everybody up uh, and also scoring, so... Uh, man, that was a show. That was a real, real show. Oh, I yeah. mean, watching Bam dominate Daniel Tice was disgusting. But now imagining Chris Dudley functioning <laughs> as a point guard in the NBA, also disgusting. I thought Brad Stevens honestly botched that whole situation. The Celtics were playing great with Grant Williams, and maybe you don't want him to close out the game because it would have been a really long stretch of minutes. But as soon as Tice came in, it was that Bam dunk. And then Bam got the ball two more times to bring it up against Tice. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we doing here? Call a timeout, get Grant Williams back in. At least the Celtics looked decent while he was out there. Tice, he looks like he's always ready to start laughing. Like he's almost on the verge of laughing. And he wasn't laughing last night because Bam was dominating him. It was uh, similar to Jokic bringing the ball up and making some plays, but even more so it was kind of just get out of the way because clearly Tice isn't going to be able to do anything against Bam. It was impressive to see the Heat say, yeah, Jimmy, you're our lead star. Play some defense. Goran Dragic, you've been our leading scorer the entire tee of the playoffs. See you on the bench. And they still took it home. Great team win. Yeah, the so the, uh, the the Celtics couldn't get a, a stop, as we talked about here, with Bam, uh, everything running through him. But what else was happening on the other end there, Lee? I mean, they... They turned into the Houston Rockets for a good stretch of this game. It felt like they were panicking and just jacking three after three after three. They were not a lot of good looks either in that stretch in the fourth quarter when it felt like they got down six, seven, eight, and they were like, oh, we can get this all back with one shot. And it was rough to watch. Yeah, in the fourth quarter, you're right. They they started forcing those ones. But oh. I thought prior to that, I thought they actually worked that yeah. zone when the Heat played it well to get good looks, and they couldn't knock them down. But then if you look at the final box score... Tatum, three for 10. Walker, three for 10. Marcus Smart, four for 13. Mm-hmm. He fired up 13. Didn't feel like he got 13 up last night, Marcus Smart. But but that was the problem. And, and that was uh, surprising for Boston because I felt that game last night, there wasn't a lot of interior defense from either team for the first three quarters. And if the Celtics had attacked a little bit more, tried to get Bam maybe into a foul trouble or just try to get better uh, high percentage looks, keep that game a little bit closer, then maybe it finishes differently for Boston. But instead... As you say there, they it was like they were down six and they're like, well, we yeah, threes is our only option I from know, here. I know, but there was tons exactly of time right. left. Yeah, yeah. There, there was. There was so much time left. And so, again, I'm not sure if that's coaching or if that's leadership or maybe just fatigue, you know, who, who knows. But it certainly was a, a surprising end there because Tatum hit one, but then I think it was Kemba missed. He kind of bricked one very early yeah. into a shot clock. Tatum smart another smart one. took smart, a couple brutal Smart took ones. a couple, yeah, that came up short. So, yeah, their execution on both ends in, the, in that last... You know, or it was not really the last few minutes. It was more that sort of seven minutes or so down to about two minutes where the game was decided by mm-hmm. Miami and uh, and the Celtics took some bad shots. So, yeah, it was a, a very interesting end because, uh, 
you know, the Celtics, we, we think they are a better team executing offensively than they were last night. They got those good looks in the in the first couple of quarters, couldn't knock them down. If they hit a couple more of those, it's a different story. But uh, when it was winning time, they they definitely uh, they definitely fell apart there. That was the case for the entire series, though. The yeah. Celtics had a fourth quarter lead in every game they lost, and they outscored the Heat by 22 points in any quarter that wasn't the fourth quarter. Stevens talked about it uh, before Game Five in the huddle. He said, "Hit some singles. They're trying to hit jacks every single time." It's exactly what happened to the Celtics in the 28 Conference Finals. They didn't have. Um, Hayward was out at that point. Kyrie Irving was out at that point, but they went, I think, seven for 39 from three. The same, uh, the day before the the Rockets went 0 for 27 when they lost to the Warriors. So it kind of got swept under the rug. Fourth quarter execution was brutal for the Celtics. Mm -hmm. uh, And it was exactly what you're saying, Lee. It was a matter of them trying to get the entire deficit back with one shot. They went two for 14 from three in the fourth, and it felt like all they wanted to do was take threes. There was no cohesion to try and get the right kind of shots or to try to get a basket at the rim. They just kind of, you know, they thought I can do it on my own. And as we've seen with the Celtics, three conference finals in the past four years, doing it on your own hasn't worked out. They play pretty decent team ball. The ball moves, they get good shots against the zone. And then in the fourth quarter, they're trying to win it by themselves. Did not work. No, I know. I mean, the Celtics are going to be kicking themselves. And when they look back at this series that they did lose it, I think they actually ultimately outscored them, right? Cumulative-wise. Probably, yeah. Um, But Mm -hmm. the Heat outscored the Celtics by 28 points in clutch time in the series, uh, including a plus-five advantage in Game 6. And clutch time is, you know, final five minutes of the fourth quarter, overtime, score within five points. So close games. Apparently, according to ESPN Stats and Info, I don't know how they track this, it's the third highest clutch time point differential in a playoff series since they started tracking this stuff in 97. So that's how impressive the Heat were in close games. And it speaks to like Trey was talking about there with the Celtics sort of just being a little, just a little rushed and discombobulated. And like, what are we, what are we running here? What are we <laughs> running here? Line? Exactly yeah. right. Like, uh, why, why are we stopped running what we were running for here for a while? Because they were panicking it there. And Tass, I mean... I hate to bury this guy right now because he came back from the injury and he looked decent in the first game. But as the series went on, less and less so, Gordon Hayward was a complete dud in this game six. He was missing layups like bunnies wide open and uh, actually really hurt them, I thought, unfortunately, in game six. And uh, and I say that because he just had just had another child and there was talk about him leaving or not. And he ends up staying again, coming back from the injury. So you you, you cheer him on for doing that and, and uh you know, gutting that out. But in the end, he sort of was really bad, I thought, for Boston. Yeah, but to put the blame on Gordon Hayward in this game, it's kind of pointless for me. Really, you know, the leaders got a lead from the front. And if you're taking 14 three-point shots in the fourth quarter uh, and, and, and being a stagnant offense, it ain't on Gordon Hayward, a guy who just came back. It's on the leaders. It's on somebody to, to take over. And uh, it's, it's something that we watched going into the postseason. I, I always wondered about a team that you know takes their turns uh, being the man with so many guys. But really, the Heat were able to do that, as we talked about. You know, Dragic was the guy in, in the fourth quarter for games one and games two with, uh, you know, some help from Jimmy Butler. Tyler Hero was the guy in, in game four. And then Bam was the guy in game six. Uh, but they somehow are able to move the ball and get into the paint a little bit more. While the Celtics, they just didn't do that. And, and it's it's easy to kind of like say, uh, you know, Daniel Tice guard Bam better. He, he, he could have and should have. Uh, but also... He's guarding multiple people, and to see something like that, to see Bam play like that, play point guard in game six of the series for the first time, to be thrown off for a few plays, 
I mean, that's just that just shows how deep and how trustworthy this team is, uh, how how much trust they put into each other, and and that just it didn't happen on the other side. Uh, I think that that's what we're talking about with guys just hanging out on the perimeter. It just obviously on the other mirror, the other side just didn't happen and wouldn't happen uh, with the Spolstra led team. Lee, was this a disappointing Celtic season? You know, they go to the conference finals for the third time in four years. They obviously lose in six here. But, but what do you think? Is that too harsh or, or, or not? I think conference finals is a pretty good season overall. I, I mean, they I think, were the favorite in this in this conference finals for the first time. Yes, they were. And so going into the bubble, they weren't favorite. I think the uh, Bucks were clearly the favorite to, to advance from the Eastern Conference. So, uh, I mean, they didn't have to beat the Bucks, of course. So that that's not really, it's a little hard to sort of grade them on that scale. But uh, no, I don't think I don't think making the conference finals is a bad result. I, mm-hmm. I think uh, it's a pretty good result. I mean, this is a young team. Look, if you ask me, you know, with Jalen Brown, uh, J- I always get those two confused. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker and whether or not they keep Hayward, I'm not sure what's going to happen there. This is still a very, very good young team and they are going to be close to this again for the next four or five seasons at least while they have Tatum and Brown there because I think they're, they're, they're their two key players. And of course, Kemba is, is, is very good as well. So, And then they've got some of the younger players, Grant and Rob Williams as well, both of those guys showing some talent. So mm-hmm. this to me is, uh, is a stepping stone here for Boston. Tatum this season, I mean, he exploded to become an elite talent. Jalen Brown will be an all-defensive player in the next year or two. There's no question about it. And an all-star as well. And p- potentially even an all-NBA player. So I think they've got uh, some very, very talented pieces here. They're a very good team at both ends of the floor. They came up short this season and they've come up short now the last couple of seasons for sure. But that's okay. They've still got plenty of time here to win. And I think uh, it's just a matter of time before the Celtics are going to be one, considered, you know, probably the best team in the Eastern Conference. I think that they can be that good if it all comes together. So, you know, it, it hurts them right now. And they, they probably, uh, you know, felt that this series was not their best performance by far, especially in the mm-hmm. closing moments. But uh, I think there's lots to be excited for and, and, uh, and look forward to if you're a Celtics fan. So you're sort of looking at them like we talked about the Nuggets. You got your stars, your young stars. Yeah. Now you just got to build around the fringes. But that, you know, it's easier said than done, especially when a couple of those other fringe guys, you said it, um, Kemba and Gordon Hayward. By the way, he's going to pick up his player option, I think. I think it's a, I don't know, a cool $34 million or something <laughs> like that. I expect so. So it's yeah. going to be a little bit more difficult maybe, though, to try and get a little bit better. And I don't even know what you would, would focus on. Is it trying to find someone to replace Tice? Are you fine with Tice, who is a great, solid center? Um, you know, is it a backup? Like, yeah. Is it just giving more minutes to a guy like Robert Williams um, and Langford when he's healthy? It's I don't know. Trey, do you have an opinion on this? Like, how do the Celtics... Is this a was this a bad ending um, going out in six to a Heat again? They were favored to beat them, and where do they go from here? What do you think? I think it's a bit of a disappointing ending, especially considering the hype that Tatum was getting throughout the season and even in the bubble. I thought he was one of the best players in the bubble, and he didn't show it at all. I thought in this conference finals, if he was playing up to his expectations in the clutch, we're talking about this series in a completely hmm. different way. And yeah. They should be back. These two young guys in Tatum and Brown are going to be the core of this team, and it's a matter of figuring out the right pieces around them. But teams in the East are getting better, too. The Bucks are still going to be good next year. The Raptors will still be good. The Nets are going to be better. Who knows what's going to end up happening with the Sixers, but they're still a competitive team. And obviously the Heat yep. still going to be in the Eastern Conference. Things were set up perfectly for the Celtics to get to the finals here, especially considering they have been to the conference finals. The next step is going to the finals. They should have made it there. And I think that the only place you're really looking at upgrading is in the interior. We saw Bam running wild in the games that the Heat won, and that was a criticism of the Celtics coming into the year. 
they're a little weak inside. They lost Baines. They lost Horford. Those were two big pieces for them in the past. And without those guys there, it was kind of a matter of Stevens doing a good job getting performances from Tice and even Enos Cantor in this series. You know, Robert Williams had some moments against the Raptors. He had some decent moments against the Heat as well. There are talented players, but not a reliable guy. You're going to stick out there as your fifth guy every single time. They spend a lot of money on the perimeter. All of their big contracts are guys on the perimeter. But you're not giving up Tatum. You're not giving up Brown. Uh, Gordon Hayward and Brad Stevens are obviously buddies. Marcus Smart doesn't make a ton of money, and he's kind of the heart and soul of your team. So right. how do you improve? you got to hope for internal development or a little bit of a shakeup. Maybe you trade Kyrie Irving again. He was the problem last year, right? <laughs> don't think so this year. Don't think so this year. would have been nice to have a fourth-quarter guy. I don't know. Could have been Tatum, but it wasn't. You have to think this is a stepping stone, but... The Celtics keep stepping to the same stone. You got to go to the next one eventually. What do you think, Tess? Well, it's kind of on Tatum, I think, uh, to be just a little bit better of a player. I think that's what it comes down to. If Which he is was fine a, and is probably going to happen, right? <laughs> you just assume so. He's still yeah. really young. Even though he's been around and been to another conference finals, this was his uh, first conference finals as a number one guy, as right. a star. And so at 22 years of age... You know, it's it's hard to really judge him. Uh, like, like put this uh, this series as his as the series that makes or breaks him, as as the series that that creates his uh, his aura or or who he is. He's just he's super young. And Jimmy Butler on the other side, as the quote unquote star, uh, wasn't anything close to what Jason Tatum was, even scoring the ball. Um, but he got everybody else involved. And so it's uh, it's up to Tatum to just elevate his team a, a little bit more. You know, he 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 elevated to a different level in January and February, and everybody was discussing whether or not he could be, yeah, a, a superstar player. And so this is his first playoffs, and he did not excel. Let's be honest; he he absolutely didn't live up to that potential. But there's time. Uh, yeah, I I, I think. Sure, it would be nice to have another five. It'd be nice to have a, uh, like I said it, it, earlier in the series, it'd be nice to have a Bam at a bio in the middle for them to create. But at the same time, it can't just be on, uh, you know, this this was the our hole that we had. I, I think the the guys on the perimeter could have been better as well. They 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 it was disappointing for them. I'm sure when they look back at it, they'll they'll be disappointed. Yeah, and the truth is, when Bam plays like that, I'm hard-pressed to think of many teams, many centers, you know, many interiors that are going to really slow down a guy like this. This guy is this guy is special. It's cool to see him have that bounce-back game from Game 5. Where Tice, we talked about it, he did outplay him, and that's why it was shocking. It was like, wow, he actually maybe had a better game than Bam. And, of course, he had the injuries with his arm, and it was hanging off his body and stuff like that. But what a performance. The guy's like... I don't even know how to describe him, Lee. He no, is no. like he's like a young Serge Ibaka, but with like Draymond <laughs> Green like sort of skills. Like he's better than Ibaka ever was. Yeah, I, I know. No, I know. He, I'm but, saying, uh, but he's got the power of a young Amari in some ways, but he's got way more court vision oh, than exactly. Amari Stoudemire had. Because that's the thing. Again, as I mentioned earlier, off the top there, when he had scored and the pressure came on him defensively, he made incredible pass to Jimmy Butler in the paint and then hit Duncan Robinson a couple of times. So. You know, he's got that awareness and that vision, and his playmaking ability is uh, is incredible. So, you know, I mean, now he goes up against the Lakers in a series. I know we're going to get to it, but you look at that front line of who the Lakers can throw at him, two big, big bodies. So it's going to be certainly tough for him, but yeah, he, he's also going to be a tough matchup for them on the defensive end. So uh, I'm very, very excited for that. But, you know, this is the thing with the Heat as well. When you look at these players, you know, like Robinson and Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo, 
not not a lot of fanfare about any of these guys, really. Uh, but then they get to the playoffs and they're just ready and they're prepared. And that development that uh, that you go through in Miami is just you know we always talk about the Spurs developing players, but the Miami Heat as well. They, they've you want to talk about Heat culture? Is that what you want to talk about? Right now? <laughs> Let's talk about it. Uh, I just uh, I mean like you know they they have that reputation for not wanting to tank. I'm not sure that's entirely true. There's been uh, a few times where they've probably thrown a game or two. But listen, Pat Riley, it sort of starts at the top and that leadership and they what they expect from you and they will give you a chance. And, so, and not everything works out because look at Dion Waiters. It didn't work out there and they've moved on from him. But they gave him the opportunity. They gave him a big contract when Dion Waiters was basically out of the league and it didn't work, so they move on. And, and then, you know, guys like Justice Winslow, who was a high draft pick, and he's gone as well. Now, he's a good player, and they had to facilitate the Iguodala trade to get him in there. But So not everything works for Miami, but if you do work out, the results are out there to be seen for everyone. And, uh, and I mean, Tyler Hero, like, again, last night hit that big three to bring him back into it, and then hit another pull-up two-pointer in the paint there when he had, uh, I think it was Marcus Smart on He him. blew by Marcus Smart. Uh, and, that's, and Marcus Smart is an incredible defender. Yeah. And Brown was on him a couple of times as well, and Tyler Hero just didn't get phased Uh that, that, to me, is just remarkable. Now, that's not just all the culture. That Like, Tyler Hero has only been there for a year, not even a year. So how much impact could they really have? He's just a great player. But uh, but still, Eric Spolster trusts you. If you're out on the court, he trusts you, and uh, and he expects you to deliver. And, uh, I mean, everyone does. And, again, you guys mentioned there with Goran Dragic, like, no ego at all. You know what? Nine minutes to go in a closeout game. He's on the bench. He's cheering on his teammates. He's doing everything. That, to me, is also a sign of just how solid that locker room is, that they're there to win. No one cares who does it or how they get it done as long as they yeah. advance. Yeah, they got that collective unit. Like, even like Derek Jones Jr. was playing a lot, you know, in this bubble and, and series even. Then he's gone. Kendrick Nunn, yeah. of course, you know, was starting for them all season. And now there were some injury instances and COVID and the guy get all that. And then he's out of the starting. I mean, he doesn't even play. Solomon Hill's out of nowhere and looking like he came <laughs> from the future somehow and he'd been seen some things. Like, yeah, you're right. It is such like they've bought into that, to that identity of this team. The heat culture gets joked about a lot, but it's true. And I do like... It's, it's, I mean, it's almost a perfect storm for a team built like the Heat with that identity to be in a bubble situation. Haslam talked about it. Like, we were built for this. Oh, you're going to hole us up in a hotel for five months together and then go to war every second night? Oh, we could do that. We would actually enjoy that. And, and we talked about, like, the clutch scoring. I sort of like that as well because all we talk about with the Heat is, like, they're better conditioned than every team. They obviously have this zone defense that you have to, have to have a ton of energy and trust in each other. And as the game went on, a lot of times in this series, they got better while other teams started to falter. And, you know, you could say a little bit, maybe it's conditioning is helping in, in that instance. Where they're, and then all the bodies they can throw out there too, that they're a little fresher and a little more locked in. So I just like how that all sort of lined up perfectly. Uh, I'm also very excited for this finals. Um, look, Celtics-Lakers would have been great. You know, the two storied franchises, we've seen it before a decade ago, but... Uh, this is exciting in a weird in a weird way. I know there are storylines, and we're going to do our finals preview tomorrow, but it's just like, it's sort of cool that it's like an odd pairing, I guess, for some reason. Lakers, he, even though those two teams have been to a good chunk of finals, right? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Is it yeah. unexpected to see Lakers heat? I yeah, feel like these it, two teams it, the have been is, in the finals the heat is, all the time. The heat's a fifth seed in a weird bubble environment, and I guess a lot of us didn't have them go into the finals, and here they are. And then they look like they're going to be the best team the Lakers will have played. Um, 
throughout their entire bubble run here, playoff run. That, I think that adds up uh, to some element of it, of it as well. Excuse me, can't talk uh, about Oh, no it. doubt. And there's so much history, obviously, with LeBron and yeah. the Heat. LeBron versus Jimmy Butler. It's going to be super exciting, but it is still the Lakers and the Heat. I feel like we've seen these two teams in the finals since we've been watching basketball. I know that uh, <laughs> the Lakers and Heat fans like to make it out like they've had a really tough time lately. You know, the <laughs> Lakers were like, it's been a rough decade. Yeah, yeah. must suck for you. Even worse, the Heat were like, it's been a rough six years. Six years you haven't been <laughs> yeah, to the finals. Yeah, Are you yeah, kidding yeah. me? Yeah. yeah. When I when I see all the headlines of the Miami Heat haven't been in the finals since 2014. Wow, that's a long time. Really long time. <laughs> yeah, for like one team. I mean, it, it's like how many teams have been to the finals more recently than that? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, okay. So the Raps, the Warriors, the Cavs, the Spurs were there in 2014. Anybody else? <laughs> That's nah. like it. You got That's it. it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Okay, but here's what's nice about this. I do feel like I've already seen, because people have started up the predictions, the preview podcasts, all the articles already. It doesn't take long. It's like 10 minutes, uh, you know, the Eastern Conference Finals wraps up and people are on to the next series. Respect the hustle. I'm seeing a lot of, like, Lakers in six or seven, you know, Heat in six or seven. So they're not, it's a nice, like, a lot of the times, let's be honest, mainly because of the Warriors were in the mix there a lot. There was a lot of similar predictions. It was like, ah, Warriors in XX games or whatever, and like not a lot of other team, uh, people picking the other team. This, it feels a little more evenly balanced here, Lee, and maybe a part of that is the weird bubble setting too. Oh, I think absolutely yeah. that plays into it because, you know, the home court advantage isn't there, and I think the uh, the heat with the Jimmy Butler story about, you know, like I'm just going to, because all the other teams have given up on him and now he's got to this team, to the situation, which is what he kind of always promised those other teams and now he's actually delivering for the Miami Heat. So I think the neutrals are probably going to uh, go towards the Heat too for this one, I think, because it's the Lakers. So, sure, probably. you know, I, I think, uh, I mean, that, and that's what would have made it fascinating if it was Lakers-Celtics. Like, where do the neutrals go then? Because, you know, they, they tend to either be the most annoying fans in the world if you don't like them. Uh, but Miami Heat have got that kind of like, well, we can't have the Lakers win, you know. The Heat have got to go out there and win it. So uh, it, it's fascinating. I'm really not sure exactly which way I'm going to go yet, which is great. We're going to have our podcast tomorrow, our preview, and, uh, and think about it. But um, it's certainly uh, it, Jimmy Butler is certainly uh, earning that or, or living up to that reputation of like being a bit of a, a bit of a dick, but he delivers on the results. And uh, I mean, honestly, is he, is he a dick anymore? Because to me, it seems like the Heat said Jimmy has been saying for his entire year or his entire career, I want to work hard and be the man. The first franchise that said, "All right, you're yeah. the man," he's like, "Great, yeah. I'll be the best teammate in the league," and it looks think, like he is. Yeah. I think he's been a fun dick anyway down there, whereas, uh, you know, the, the the reputation when he left Chicago was basically like, you know, he was he was a, a malcontent, you know, like... Uh, left this is Chicago. Not left Chicago. They well, traded him away, yeah. Lee, two years True. before his contract was up. Uh, and, then little bitter. <laughs> and then in Minnesota, it was basically like, I'm just not playing for you anymore, so trade me. And he goes to Philadelphia and it's like, he hit, I think he hit two game winners in his first three games or something in Philadelphia there. And it was like, okay, this is what they need. And they're like, no, we'll take Tobias Harris instead. So, uh, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy's a fun guy to root for, though, right now because uh, he's got the big face coffee. He's in love with his teammates. And he's really just shutting up any of the haters out there. So uh, it, it's a great story. But will they be able to go all the way? I mean, wow, what a story that would be if, uh, <laughs> if they were to pull this off. We'll see. Yeah, it's been a. I'm sure you read the article that there's now a competition with Big Face Coffee. There's Little Face Coffee. 
uh, heat athletic trainer has started up his own business. Five dollars oh. a cup. So I mean, I hope uh, tensions don't boil over. Yeah. Well, does, well, he wanna, does he want to get taken out or something? I mean, trying to undercut Jimmy Butler. He's coffee. an opening in the market, Lee. Not everybody wants to pay twenty dollars for a cup of coffee. But uh, there's a lot of employees on the Heat who are not multimillionaires. Yeah. They're going to Little Face Coffee. Seems like there's also an opportunity for a medium face coffee there. Charge ten to twelve bucks a cup. But doesn't right. Jimmy sell small, medium, and large? He just sells it all for twenty bucks, no matter Correct. what. Correct. <laughs> Though then Bam did say that two smalls cost you fifty dollars. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know how that works. Oh what man! What a racket! What a racket! Uh, yeah. Man. Hey, look, good bubble too for um, Michelob Ultra. With all these Jimmy Butler commercials, right? I mean, he's sort of their brand guy. Oh, there's like three or four of them you see every game, different ones. Or there was at the beginning him packing, and now there's this one where that guy just, you know, is in his hotel room uh, tidying up his uh, cowboy boots and then watching him on the screen. <laughs> hey, they're laughing. Michelob Ultra attaching their uh, their brand, their beer to Jimmy Butler, and here he is in the finals. What a call that was. Whoever called that one, unbelievable work there. Um, again, we'll do our NBA Finals preview and predictions on tomorrow's show. We'll talk about, you know, keys to watch in this series. Obviously, make our picks, X-Factors, you know, maybe some silly predictions as well. That tips off Wednesday night, Game 1 of the NBA Finals, Lakers Heat. But we'll have that up on Tuesday. Anything to add from... Uh this game here in the Eastern Conference Finals or the Celtics? What do you got? Uh, we sort of brushed over a little bit, but Andre Iguodala's performance uh, last sure. night was just <laughs> unbelievable. He was two for 10 from three going into that uh, game last night. And I think I said on the last series, like he's been awful for them, even though he's out there for his veteran presence. And last night he shut me up. I mean, just incredible, that three-point shooting. Four for four. Uh, got another one late as well. Hit some free throws. I mean, that is why... They got him for, for yep. that sort of a performance. And um, and again, and, and to play LeBron James if they got to the uh, yeah. finals. Here, well, that's maybe. it. Six straight finals appearances yeah. for Andre Iguodala, which is uh, an incredible performance. But, you know, the thing, again, coming back to, I think, Eric Spolster is like, even though he could see Iggy wasn't shooting the ball well, wasn't performing, he's there because of his, his experience and he trusts him to go out there and deliver. And uh, because, I mean, you, we talk about the Celtics three-point shooting and they were missing a lot. And then a guy like Iggy, who's been as cold as anybody, just goes out there and hits huge ones, timely ones, and also didn't sort of get the hot hand going at any point where he was like, or get a, a heat check going where he's just going to start firing away. He took them when they needed uh, the heat to take them, and uh, just a remarkable performance. A well, fun yeah, performance. Th- that's when the Celtics were sort of screwed because they're like, hey, there's one guy out here we can finally leave. Yeah. Like, leave him. Don't yeah. worry about him. You know? <laughs> and then he's the guy, yeah, knocking down four or five. You're, you're, in, uh, you're in trouble. Because you got all these other shooters and Hero and Robinson, even Butler, of course, and Dragic when he plays. You know, Bam's not shooting the three, but we talked about him being a terror inside and setting up all these guys like, oh, yeah, we can leave Iguodala. And yeah. you couldn't in game six. And he was, he was special. And you're right. We will get into all that. Uh, you know, his sixth... Finals, he's going to take on LeBron again. How many times will this be him playing LeBron in the finals? Well, five. At least the fifth time. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. I, oh, I was going to say fourth. Yeah, yeah, the fifth time. Crazy, crazy stuff. All right. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Well, we started with 22 teams heading down to Orlando, and we are down to the final two. That's right. Basketball's final two teams set to square off this week to see who will be crowned basketball's champ. And there is no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. To celebrate basketball's championship, DraftKings will have millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs all week long. So get in on all of the action right now. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy basketball, super easy to play. You pick six players, you got to stay under the salary cap, and you pile up the points 
for threes and boards and assists and so much more, there's no better way to put your basketball knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars. And with millions of dollars up for grabs this week, there's no better place to have skin in the game than with DraftKings. So download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code RUN to get a free shot at millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code RUN, R-U-N, to get a free shot at millions of dollars with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings, minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Basketball's championship. <laughs> I kept saying that. <laughs> Maybe not legally allowed to say NBA. I don't know. For some reason, that was going to win the basketball's championship. What do you got winning the basketball's champion? <laughs> and now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get direct TV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream direct TV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream direct TV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECT-TV. Terms or restrictions apply. We haven't done this in a long time, guys, but I got some rumors to throw at you here. The ladies talking NBA rumors. <laughs> All right. This is what they're talking about, guys. According to Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer, the 76ers ownership group reportedly wants to hire Mike D'Antoni as the franchise's next head coach. D'Antoni has met with the Sixers for a first round of interviews, and he would reportedly have to bomb his second round to not be offered the job. That's a fun visual, just pretending to picture D'Antoni somehow bombing <laughs> his second interview. Like, I don't know where to start there. But playing-wise, Joel... He's saying we're going all Korkmaz this <laughs> yeah, year. <laughs> I guess. Or Rebuilding like, around Korkmaz. Or he's like, yeah, somehow uh, he forgot to put on pants in the Zoom meeting or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. Uh, playing-wise, Joel Embiid has um, given his blessing. Uh, again, according to reports here. <laughs> yes, he ha- you have my blessing. So, Trey, get us started with this NBA rumor. What do you think about... Uh, D'Antoni, I guess, is the front runner here. On the surface, definitely seems like an odd fit to bring Mike D'Antoni in to coach a team that's built around a couple of guys who are not great three-point shooters in Simmons and Embiid. Also feels weird to bring in a coach whose team continually flames out in the playoffs to a team who continually flames out in the playoffs, but I still like it. He's got history with the team. He was an assistant head coach there for a season. He is the best coach available, I would say, and he tends to get the most out of at least role players, and I think D'Antoni's a little more flexible than he was in the past, specifically when he was coaching the Lakers and was trying to play a speed-up style with Pau Gasol and it wasn't working. You know, the Rockets still played a fast pace, but they were pretty slow on offense when they would get into the half court, and uh, I just think that he's such a good does such a good job at creating space in general. He's one of the architects of space and pace in the league just uh just on a whole that that will help both Simmons and Embiid if he's able to figure out a way to generate space for those players because both of them need a little a little more room there inside at the rim 76ers aren't a huge pick and roll team Mike D'Antoni teams generally are so maybe that's just the change put Simmons and Embiid in the pick and roll and let teams figure out how they're going to play but the thing that's super worrying to me Skeets you mentioned it is that ownership is saying, we want Mike D'Antoni, yes. which is because the 76ers have an absolutely brutal front office. Now that the Kings and the Bulls have been remaking theirs, 
the Knicks as well. We'll see how it turns out. <laughs> the Sixers are up there for one of the worst front offices in the league. They would have been better off if Elton Brand had done nothing since he took over. But basically, the owners are coming in saying, we want Mike D'Antoni, so we're probably going to have Mike D'Antoni. When the ownership's making the calls... It's usually pretty bad. Yeah, there's a little confusion over who is calling the shots here because it looked like Ty Lue was the front runner there uh, when Brett Brown was let go uh, in late August. And now, you know, he's had interviews, but maybe he's only talked to Brand. And yeah, the the rest of the ownership is obviously hell-bent on getting D'Antoni by reports. It, it is a little weird here. Um, Lee, what, what do you think about this rumor? I, 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 the biggest problem for the Sixers this year was their offense was just ugly to watch. And Mike D'Antoni should be able to smooth things out a little bit. And exactly how he does that, I'm not sure, but he has a reputation and a record of doing that with teams. So, uh, you know, they'll probably find some shooters off the scrap heap as well. They'll throw out there who have career seasons. Obviously, the two big, two big players are Embiid and Simmons. And can he get those guys to click on offense? Because if he can then I think the Sixers are a very, very uh, dangerous team because defensively, I think they're going to be fine no matter what. D'Antoni doesn't really care about defense anyway, so he's got two players who can play defense. They've got a good defensive team. But if he can just figure out a way to get that offense flowing, then uh, then the sky's the limit really for Philadelphia because they've got great young players. If they can stay healthy and stay on the floor, they're going to be good. So, yeah, I, I'd be happy if I was a Sixers fan if you get D'Antoni. I think it's it's a good move, and I think uh, I think he will at least make things a little bit better for them on the offensive end because that's his specialty. And you've got players who have got the talent. And now, what is going to happen with Ben Simmons? Is he going to become a three-point shooter under Mike D'Antoni? If he could do that, then uh, Mike D'Antoni... <laughs> Give him gonna, coach of the year for exactly the like, Yeah, but, I mean, I expect D'Antoni's going to say to him, like, listen, in my offense, you're going you're gonna to get three, so may as well start shooting him. And, uh, and try to get better at them if you can. Um, so, yeah, I, I like it. I think if you're Philadelphia, it's like, yep, we've got to get our offense figured out because uh, this is a team with a lot of talent. They've come up short now the last couple of seasons, and you, we're getting to that point, you know, Will they move on from Simmons and Embiid if things right. don't work out? I mean, that that's going to be the. I think we've right we're we're at that sort of now, but we've talked about. I guess a new coach gets a chance, gets yes, a crack for at sure, the task, for sure. and and maybe it's D'Antoni. Here you go. Here's Embiid and Simmons. Here's the rest of your roster, and you might have some input in the new players coming in, and like the guys talked about, try and get you some shooting. Uh, you know, pick them up off overseas or wherever, and have your go at it. And if it doesn't work, then we might have to move on from one of them. But what do you think about D'Antoni as a potential Sixers coach? Listen, from our perspective, it's exciting to have D'Antoni in there because, uh, yeah, he should change the offense. And I don't think he's going to make Ben Simmons into anything close to a three-point shooter. We saw Russell Westbrook in Houston. The guy's job was to create and get into the paint, and that's going to be Ben Simmons' job. I think Joel Embiid's going to love it because he's going to be able to shoot threes as much as he wants. Yeah, that's a little worrisome to me. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It definitely is. Uh, But at the same time, if he gets role players to – play to their potential around those guys, it should be a good offense. And even though he doesn't quote unquote like defense or he doesn't give a crap about defense, his team in in the bubble was playing some hard defense and they were they were getting by. But now they've got a Joel Embiid in the middle uh and to to suck up rebounds and and to be a, a rim presence. So hey, uh this is it's uh, yeah, they they definitely have underachieved and it's not the most um I don't know. I, I, even if, even if it's Mike D'Antoni, I guess it's not the most sexy signing right now. I, I guess just because everybody's sort of down on the Sixers. But Elton Brand was on the roster when Mike D'Antoni was an assistant coach there four <laughs> years ago, and so maybe they love each other uh, when they were ten and seventy-two back in the uh, the process days. So uh, hey, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Mike D'Antoni can turn it around. It's it's D'Antoni, I believe. We should believe. 
Keith Pompey in that article said D'Antoni's plan would be to move Tobias Harris back to power forward. That would be one little thing that he would, uh, I guess, implement. And the Sixers would also make trades if D'Antoni's hired, according to reports. And then the expectation is that uh, D'Antoni would have a say in picking some of those players for his style of play. Um, it's interesting. I wonder, you know, this whole Joel Embiid thing, we didn't talk about it a ton, him like cheering on Jimmy Butler here uh, throughout the playoff <laughs> run, you know, really leaning into that. Now, was he doing that uh, as part of uh, some Mountain Dew uh, viral marketing? I don't know, but I, I, I'm just fascinated with his relationship with the Sixers, uh, Joel Embiid specifically, and whether he, what, what they think of him still and, and what he thinks of them. And, and if they were to make a move, I do think it's Embiid that, that gets traded before Ben Simmons, my personal opinion. Really? Yeah, because I do. they're asking him for his blessing about the coach. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> well, yeah, again, this worries me, though, this whole Embiid gives it a blessing because he's like, oh, sweet, I can just jack threes in D'Antoni's <laughs> system. I don't want to post up anymore. It's like, again, eh, maybe that works. At, uh, I don't know, I'm a little concerned about that. Final little bonus rumor to add to this. John Clark of NBC Sports, he reported that D'Antoni could be able to lure James Harden to Philadelphia as either a free agent in two years or as part of a trade, too. So, hey, maybe there's an Embiid for Harden trade in the mix oh, here. Sick. God, yeah, who says no? Who says no? All right, one more rumor here. You know, it's a team, uh, I'll be honest, a team I've forgotten about. I forgot this team was in the NBA. But I got a little couple uh, pieces of info here from the Cavs. The Cavs' big man, Andre Drummond, is likely to exercise his player option for next season worth about $29 million. This is according to Chris Fedor of Cleveland.com. The Big Penguin is not currently attending the Cavs' voluntary workouts, though I guess he's remained engaged with the team. <laughs> he's checking in on Zoom. Um, Cavs GM Kobe Altman also said there's mutual interest in Cleveland re-signing Tristan Thompson. There's a guy I'd forgotten about too. He's an unrestricted free agent. So... Couple calves rumors there. Drummond, <laughs> Tristan Thompson, Lee's laughing, so I'm going to skip him and go right to you, Trey. What do you think of this? The Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> I haven't heard that name in years. <laughs> what? Uh, Andre Drummond. Yes, I remember him. He was oh. traded for a bag of beans way back in February, and that's the last time I thought about the Cavs. Of course, he's going to pick up his $29 million option. Everybody knew that. Uh, the only other cat. I didn't takes... think so. I, I mean, all season long before we had a, the ending of a pandemic, I didn't think that was going to happen. I just because I thought he was going to be the biggest name available in free agency, and if he was going to be able to lock in like a you know a four for ninety or four for, I thought he might do that. But I was wrong. You're right. Yeah, now but that's I'm like, no four brand. for ninety. That's less than twenty nine per year. Yeah, it is. So it is. I don't know. He should take it. He's not that good. He can rebound. He can be big out there, but. Andre Drummond isn't helping anybody win basketball games, I don't think. The only other Cavs takes I have are uh, Colin Sexton is apparently putting on a whole bunch of muscle. They keep showing these pictures of him. People cool. are telling me, this guy is jacked. And I let, nice. like, I don't know. looks like he's got some new shoulders a little bit, but he doesn't okay. look humongous. The other one was Tristan Thompson you mentioned. It's a rumor they want to bring him back. A little connection to the Cavs championship. We had that question on beach stepping last week. Who's a role player you believe in that could have another moment in the playoffs? And Tristan Thompson is that guy for me. He's still pretty young, right? He's, he's 29 only, years old. He's not I even 30. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't and believe he that. Was a, he was a game changer in the playoffs. I mean, four years ago seems recently, but in the NBA, four years can be a long time. I imagine he could have like a, a, <laughs> a quarter where he gets four rebounds in the playoffs and really yeah. turns the tide. Somebody give Tristan Ch Thompson a chance. He doesn't need a big contract, but whatever.
Yeah, I, I, I sort of agree. Calves I, takes. I agree with that. I could see a Dwight Howard moment where he grabs four <laughs> sure, offensive exactly, rebounds, exactly. four putbacks right there in a quarter, changes the tide. Yeah, um, I couldn't believe he was 29. I, uh, That's crazy, right? I thought he was 36 <laughs> years old. <laughs> I was like, what? How is that possible? But, uh, Tass, anything to add to the Cavs, juicy Cavs rumors? <laughs> <laughs> Those were juicy. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a Tristan Thompson fan. Get him now before he turns 30 and isn't able to do the <laughs> Right. offensive rebounding and play in space but in a, an era where it's all about shooting sometimes that's all you ask for uh you know all you're, we're asking at Dwight Howard is to rim run and play D and Tristan Thompson's done that for an NBA championship team so who knows and uh the big penguin is still a nickname from Andre Drummond I'm done with that absolutely yeah. done with that it's <laughs> it's not a good nickname in the first place and a guy that we barely talk about Unfortunately, if Andre Drummond comes back and has a big year, then we can nickname him. But at this point, sorry, nicknameless uh, at this point. Uh, oh, wow. Except if we're talking hair, we're talking oh, yeah, then mayor it's okay. hair. Yeah, yeah. Mayor hair. <laughs> right, right, Taking right. Taking hair off the shoulders, as we always talk about with Drummond, man. Ah, yeah, tough. Tough to be a Cavs fan right now. But hey, they went to a lot of finals over the last little while, right? So they sure did. Can't, can't complain at all. You have nothing to complain about. And Lee, I mean, you laughed when I brought it up. I, I guess you have nothing to add. <laughs> well, look, Andre Drummond uh, and Tristan Thompson, it's not like it's a front court of big dudes uh, who can grab a lot of rebounds. But uh, I mean, it's just the way the game is played now. It's like you don't, you just can't have those two guys out there playing really together, can you? Right. So, you know. Well, they I have mean, Kevin Love. They still they have, have Kevin Love. Love. Yeah. yeah, I mean. Hey, Lee, just, who coaches and Larry the Cavs? Lee, who coaches the Cavs? Beeline. <laughs> God, oh, who man. does coach him? Sorry. Is, it, is it Bernie Bickerstaff? Junior? Yeah, it's Bickerstaff. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, man. No, 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 just You didn't really know, though, did you? <laughs> <laughs> JB Bickerstaff, that's his name. Yeah, no, yeah. Like, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. You know, we've covered this league now for a lot of years, and a couple of teams, they slip under the radar every now and again, and uh, I'm not tuning in to watch a lot of Cavs game. It's, well, you might be tuning in to see this uh, new body on Sexton, I guess. You love it arms and a shoulders and so if this guy's jacked you gotta look tune in yeah i will for that i mean for a media day that'll be great to see what it's really like <laughs> hashtag muscle watch for yeah. sure yeah. all right we'll call it there nice to have uh rumors back in our lives okay task time for tweet of the night mm, tweet of the night wow twitter this tweet of the night comes from former Ohio basketball player Mark Titus and current ringer, writer, and podcaster. Now, he was commenting on Duncan Robinson, the Miami Heat guard. This comment, this text came from Duncan Robinson when he was a senior as a Michigan Wolverine. So listen to what Mark Titus relayed from that text. Got this text out of the blue three years ago. Hopped on the phone a couple days later and talked for an hour about getting into sports media because Duncan thought his basketball career was winding down. Three years later, he's about to start in the NBA Finals. What a world. And the text from Duncan Robinson reads like this. Hey, Mark, my name's Duncan Robinson, and I'm a senior on the men's basketball team at Michigan. I'm reaching out to you because for one of my classes, we're asked to connect with somebody in the industry that we're interested in. I'm a big fan of The Ringer, and specifically your work. Was wondering... If you would have some time to connect so I could potentially learn more about your role as a staff writer and the ringer in general, hope all is well with you. Wild. A senior Crazy. at Michigan three years later. Now he's balling. 
Now, my question is, is it's, it's obviously great content. People are very excited. But mm-hmm. uh, Duncan Robinson's on top of the world right now. So it's not a big deal sharing a text, a private text. Right. But did Duncan Robinson approve the sharing of this text? Because we, <laughs> we recently had a scenario where uh, Dana White and Conor McGregor uh, had a private text chain. Conor McGregor revealed that text chain. Dana White said, you broke the man oh, code wow. as Dan- Dana White said, <laughs> relax, Dana White. But it's uh, uh, regardless of the dumb name that he, he assigned to it, they are private messages. Yeah. And maybe Mark Titus you know, revealed something that Duncan Robinson didn't want. Duncan Robinson probably doesn't care at this point. <laughs> I highly really doubt he cares. He's a cajillionaire, yeah, but as a, as a matter of principle... You don't just you don't just throw that around. So I well, we don't know. We don't know. Titus didn't tweet Duncan back or text. Excuse me, Duncan back and say, "Hey, yeah. man, I'm going to share this." Probably unlikely, but uh, we don't know that for sure, right? Uh, yeah, probably not. I mean, he shared it uh, as soon as the fourth quarter expired of Game Six, of the <laughs> Eastern Conference Finals. I, I don't think that they exchanged messages uh, earlier this series. But, uh, anyways, uh, it's a cool moment for Duncan Robinson, uh, obviously, to go undrafted out of Michigan, and now he is uh, he is one of the best three-point shooters, if not the best three-point shooter yeah. in the league right now when uh, when it comes down to it, which is bonkers in a league with a bunch of great, great three-point shooters. Pretty good comment from Mellotron in the YouTube chat who says, this move by Mark Titus, kind of a fun dick move there. You're revealing <laughs> somebody's uh, private text message, but it's for a fun reason. <laughs> uh, yeah, you gotta wonder, would Duncan Robinson like it being out there that he started a text message with, oh, hi, Mark, dropping the room uh, in a text message. And he's also reaching out to an Ohio State basketball yeah. player as a University of Michigan guy. Honestly, shameful, but impressive stuff from Duncan Robinson. That guy didn't even start for Michigan when he played in the championship game. He was the sixth man of the year, and now he's out here doing warm-ups uh, getting on the exercise ball and doing interviews with Rachel Nichols starting in the finals. Wild stuff. Hey, Lee, I got a question. When uh, when your dad would buy you guys ice cream and take you to the amusement park, or maybe when he was playing ball and going around his back, did you call him Fun Dick? <laughs> <laughs> fun Dicky. <Yeah. laughs> Just curious. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. But, uh, yeah, yeah right. he, he introduced himself as Dick Ellis, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it was just normal for us, you know? <laughs> Your dad's being a real dick. Yeah, I know. Yeah, normal <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Uh, guys, let's go in there. Let's go in there. As we said a couple times now, NBA Finals preview and predictions tomorrow, Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern, live on YouTube if you want to join us there. Click subscribe, hit the notification button. You'll know when we're going live. If not, we'll have the podcast up soon after that. Talking X-Factors, keys to the series, and ultimately our predictions for the Lakers heat, which tips on Wednesday night. So that'll be up tomorrow. On Wednesday, I think we're going to hit the beach. So email us your questions and comments for Beach Steppin, nodunksattheathletic.com, or tweet them in at nodunksinc. Go grab yourself some sweet new No Dunks merch at nodunks.com. We got the new pin there. Got the turn up. Love you guys. Awesome t-shirt. Oh, that just... I just love how it's so old school looking. Like, it looks like it, it's not felt, just so everybody knows. not actual felt letters on there, but it's got the vibe of that. It's a little distressed look. It's fantastic. Yeah, and, that's uh, the kind of shirt Burt Blylevin would be wearing in a right. locker Right, right. <laughs> wow, even Blylevin. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, sure. I think he's got that shirt that says, like, who farted or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be our next shirt. For well, sure. Sam Uono wants fun dick. Now that's a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> 
we'll uh, we'll do some work with Manscaped and uh, we'll get that yeah. one out. Uh, and if you haven't already, guys, subscribe to The Athletic. Tell them that we sent you. Go to theathletic.com slash nodunks. You can sign up still right now for a dollar a month, but you don't know how long that promo code is going to last. So if you're thinking about it, go do it. Theathletic.com slash nodunks. All right, back tomorrow with our NBA Finals preview and predictions. Clipper bros! You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, in the Eastern Conference Finals, the Heat were playing like a team, while the Celtics played a little more like a bunch of solo mon hills. Embrace the day, people. <laughs> <laughs>